Hey everybody, it's Chris Plant, and I'm here to tell you about this week's sponsor. Igloo is an intranet you'll actually like. It's a cloud platform that can help you do your best work, share files, do blog updates, coordinate calendars, and manage projects. It's easy to use and easy to configure, even for the most non-technical of users, which maybe that's you. Uh, It's definitely me. I'm terrible at things. For a cloud platform experience like no other, sign up now and try Igloo for free at igloosoftware.com slash tech. That's igloosoftware.com slash tech. You're going to invite up to 10 of your favorite coworkers to try it with you. It's free. Uh, igloosoftware.com slash tech. It's, it's your time. I think it was my first year that I went. It was E3 2008, which was still in that weird rebuilding period for the show. They just moved it back to Los Angeles, but it was like the smallest the show has ever been. Uh, and it was right after Activision dipped uh, because they were upset about the the terms and conditions of the ESA. And so they did their own you know series of events that were supposed to like replicate their own E3 that cost them millions and millions and millions of dollars to put together. And I remember I went to one of those shows and it was the reveal party for DJ Hero. And I think Guitar Hero World Tour was there as well. And like they had this whole red carpet event. We had to walk the red carpet, which was really super duper uncomfortable. Um, I was there for, for Joystick with a couple other people. And it was it was a really weird night. Like we ran into Tony Hawk and uh, we ran into like Tyrese and like a bunch of people. And I don't know what to say to them. Come on. And then like Eminem and Jay-Z were there. It was insane and i remember i ran into the pr person for activision that had invited us to this event and i said so where where can we play dj hero and guitar hero world tour and they replied oh you won't be playing those games tonight (laughs) Uh, no playing those games is not an option that's just not on the table there will be no playing of video games tonight video game writer people And to me, that is so representative of what E3 is, because now it occupies this space in this grand tapestry of worldwide gaming expos where it is the big show still. It is still the big show, although not the one where maybe you form the biggest connection with the games themselves or the people who are making them. But you may, if you're lucky, form a connection with Tyrese. And I did. I have his phone number. We're really, really good pals. You should let him know he's an apple on Facebook. You need to be careful. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What's Tech. It's a podcast for The Verge. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. I am your host. I am joined today by my friend, my colleague, Griffin McElroy uh, from Polygon.com. Also your neighbor. I don't want to give people clues on how to like triangulate our location, but we live basically next door to each other. Oh, speaking of, hello to the person who knocked on my door, uh, going door to door, and listens to this show. Uh, it was very nice to meet you. Please don't tell everyone where we live. Yeah, I, I, that is not something I want. This uh, episode, uh, maybe as you could tell from the intro, is about E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Is Electronic or Electronics? Uh, it's, it's actually just E. They just cut it down. <laughs> they, they wanted it to be streamlined and sexy. So now it's just the E, E expo. Mm. So, um, it's a video game expo that happens every June. Uh, and we're going to tell you a little bit more about it. So we're going to kick off from the top. Griffin, what 
is E3? It's a game convention. That's it? I haven't listened to the podcast before. Are people <laughs> usually more detailed than that? Yeah, no, they it, usually give me about four words and we move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. It is a, it's a game convention that's held in Los Angeles in the Los Angeles Convention Center, and it is... Um, it's not the biggest show in the world anymore in terms of, you know, size and attendance. Uh, there are other shows that are bigger gamescom. I would probably guess is one of the, it's bigger than E3. I don't know if it's the biggest in the world. Uh, I think there's actually a Chinese game show. That's like the biggest, uh, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure. I'm talking completely out of my ass right now. Uh, but yeah, E3 is not, not the biggest show. Um, it's not the one that like the most fans come to. Uh, it's not the biggest in terms of like hall space, uh, but in terms of importance, I would say that it is still sort of the, the flagship, uh, event for, for the gaming industry for the year. Uh, it's the thing that like, you know, game journalists and publishers and everyone in the industry kind of sets their watch by. And, and in that sense, I think it is still the most important show around now, it, it's still quite large while while like you said not the biggest thing in the world it's still this thing that takes over downtown los angeles to some degree but its yeah. origins are quite a bit more humble kind of like the video game industry in general i was hoping you could tell us about that well well sort of like it, it, it has what's interesting about e3 is it has oscillated between these different states of humility uh, humility <laughs> where like when it started out it, it didn't exist i think it launched in 95 and before that it was just uh, the the people in the games industry, different companies in the games industry were writing on uh, other tech industry expos like CES was, I think, the, the gaming industry's uh, big show uh, before 95, before E3 launched. Uh, and essentially, like once once the industry got too big for CES to contain it. Uh, the the game developers and publishers got together and and started this new thing. Uh, and then th- this new thing, obviously, like the players back in 1995 are completely different. Uh, you did a great video last year where you broke down like the difference, like Sega had three whole gigantic booths, like they took up one fifth of one of the expo halls, which is insane. Like that's enormous. That's like more than, than like Microsoft takes up now. Uh, and like Ubisoft had a booth when it launched that was like, the size of a shoebox because nobody knew who they were. So obviously like the players have changed, but I still feel like the spirit of the show is the same, which is like, we're going to be as flashy as is humanly possible and try to get hundreds of worldwide media outlets and investors to like come up with the same single story for our products. And and we're going to do that, you know, however we need to. And oftentimes that means you can't play our game, but here's a cool trailer. I didn't prep you for this, but can you speak to what the ESA is? The ESA is the trade organization for the gaming industry, uh, and it has members that uh, comprise the different game developers and game publishers that have decided to join the ESA, uh, and those members pay annual dues, and they are uh, represented on the, the show floor of E3. E3 is run by the ESA. The ESA does other things, too, like lobbying. They were big, big players in the, what was it, uh, uh Brown versus EMA? I believe so. Yeah, Brown versus the uh, Entertainment Merchants Association. They represented the gaming industry, essentially, in front of the Supreme Court. Um, and and they have other services that pre- they, they provide to members. But the big thing for them is, is E3, planning it, uh, organizing it. About uh, I want to say about half their annual operating income comes from E3 and the, the dues that 
uh, game developers and publishers play uh, pay to to be on the show floor because those fees can be pretty steep. So between that and and membership dues and other fees, uh, that 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 is how they make their money. But yeah, long long story short, they are uh, the games industry's you know lobbying trade organization. Um, who who can go to E three? I mean, I know you can go to E three because oh, you yeah. are. I mean, <laughs> you can go wherever you want. Um, I'm actually not going to, (laughs) 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 well, look, um, last year Polygon sent, God, I don't know, like 24 people. And it used to be like, you needed that many people to really cover the, the show. But as the number of exhibitors has gone down, like, I don't, you just don't need as big a team. Um, and so we actually decided to keep some people back and send some people to the like main office. Cause the big thing about E3 is the, the, the hard thing about covering it. And I'm sure we'll talk about covering E3 later, but, uh, the internet connection there is terrible and it yeah. is the most stressful time of year where like you need the internet to be on point. So we're having some of the team be in a place where internet is good, but, um, so, so, uh, members of the press can apply to go to E3, um, uh, if you if you're represented by one of like the major blogs, it's pretty easy to get in. Uh, if you have a smaller blog, they have cracked down uh, a little bit. They they again, it's another one of those things where they've oscillated between. If you open your own like live journal about video games back in the day, like that could be enough, and and that would get you in. And now they are a little bit more strict about it. Um, if you are an exhibitor, obviously you can get in. There are other sort of satellite people in the industry, like investors and stuff, that uh, can get in pretty easily. Uh, but it used to be if you weren't in the industry whatsoever, you were not going to get into the show because it is a private show. Um, it used to be so private that it was invitation only for, I, I think, just for one year. And that was a that was a weird year. Uh, that was actually, I think, my first year that I went. I felt very honored. But this <laughs> year, uh, if you're lucky and you are uh, uh, what the ESA calls a prosumer, which is a professional consumer... Uh, then you might get asked by whatever brand you evangelize for to come for the show and just evangelize all over the place. Talk about how great Need for Speed is if you're invited by EA. I I think there's 4,000 to 5,000 passes that the ESA has given to to game companies to distribute to their prosumers uh, as they see fit. Uh, So yes, this year there will be, for the first time, uh, people who are not in the industry, but I mean, I Chris, if well, you could be called a prosumer by yeah. a gaming brand, guess what? You're up in the industry already. You're already up in it. You might not be pulling down uh, a paycheck, but you are a, a industry figure. Yeah, you are probably a minor YouTube celebrity or a major one, or a major YouTube has celebrity. A, yeah, or, a huge following more than anything most websites have. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that's a big thing. Although uh, arguably, those people could get press passes pretty easily at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's more for for uh, just sort of general brand evangelists. The, the um, Bummersville, I mean, we were talking about this this weekend. Bummersville for these people, um, for, for people who are attending E3 now for the first time and they get this pass, say, through Activision or even yeah. just a small blog is E3 used to be, uh, you imagine this giant center and you walk in and there are booths, like little little TV stands everywhere and you can play video games. But now it's not really like that. It's like little no. houses inside of a convention center. That that idea has that 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 like torch I would say is now being carried by like PAX and by Gamescom in in Cologne, um, and and by other shows. But that is that is definitely definitely not E three. There's obviously um, there there are some uh, 
uh, uh, uh, exceptions to the rule, right? Like Sony, I think is actually pretty good about letting you just come in and play their games. Um, they have a huge indie space where you can just come in and play all your stuff. I would say all the big companies are, are pretty good about letting you get hands on it. Uh, but, but if you are like hoping to just roll up to the show, if you get one of these prosumer badges, and that's the last time I say that word on this podcast, I promise. Uh, and, and you're expecting to, you know, come up and play XCOM two, which just got announced. Like, I, I doubt that one's going to be playable. They're probably just going to have a, 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 a dark, hot, stinky room you can go in to either watch a, a trailer while one of the developers talks to you about it or, or gives you a guided demonstration. Um, it, 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 and, and that's the point I'm trying to make. It is, it's not the most hands-on show. Uh, it, it is the show where game companies try to distribute their message in a way that is clearer and louder than the other hundreds of game companies that are trying to distribute their very, very similar messages. Can I can I give you my biggest beef with with covering E three? Yeah, please. This is just me. This is me giving some therapy. I, I and I don't. I want to avoid sounding like jaded because I still really like E three. No. I, I still get excited about E three. I can I can respect the insanity of it. Like I, I I enjoy being there and I enjoy seeing things that I haven't you know that I don't know exist until until they're announced. Yeah. I think what's a bummer now is it's a full-on marketing event. Like you yeah. said, most things aren't playable at all. Uh, if, they, if they're being played by a developer, there's a very real chance that you're being duped. Um, and it's uh, a video that they're just like pressing buttons. Yeah, on the, yeah. look at Aliens as, uh, what was it, Colonial Marines is the, the worst, uh, most egregious example of this. Uh, and it's, say, I would say a prayer, by the way, for those people who have to do those presentations uh, 40 to 50 times like a day to like this, the same half hour presentations, with very little break in between to in like a hot, I guys, I cannot stress this enough, but a stink oven essentially is what those rooms are. And then like by the end of the show, those people are always these bedraggled husks of human beings. I feel so bad for them. Um, but it's that's horrible. Here there. Um, yeah. I mean, well, like, yeah. And that's. <laughs> But but it's it's a bummer because I feel like our job being there is if you go to a thing that's all marketing and that's like that's one team playing uh, the team of uh, reality or truth um, and nobody at the time of E3 really wants to hear reality. Like, yeah, sure. The marketing is so exciting that when you're there and you see maybe uh, an Assassin's Creed like last year and you get a sense that, hey, I've seen these demos millions of times. Uh, something is not quite right here, uh, and you you say it, you are shredded. Uh, yeah. and, and it's it is the one time of the year where it feels like the marketing system is so powerful that there is like <laughs> it's tough to do the job of uh, not being a pawn in the marketing machine. Yeah, I I mean I have complicated feelings about E three for that very reason because like by getting excited about it, you congratulations like you are now wholesale buying that message and then peddling it. And you know, I, I think a lot of people have some really valid, really like effective criticisms about E3 because like as more shows have been added to the roster, the things that used to be like this pure, uh, you, know, you know, fan hype engine for the games industry have maybe been taken away a little bit like now that's pax's thing pax's thing is this is where you come to be part of the community and like actually play games with other people uh uh you know smaller shows like QuakeCon is where you come and like now you're gonna play all bethesda's games and you're gonna like have a lot of access to them like that that idea 
I think has been peeled away a little bit from from E3. Um, how has the show changed since the early days? Because what comes to mind when I picture E3 in Atlanta uh, is Mortal Kombat stage shows. Yeah, yeah. There's less of that. Uh, there's I. I think the biggest thing that's changed, um, and maybe changed isn't the right word, but like codified, the thing that's codified about E3 is there's definitely a rhythm to it now. Like, you know, the years that are going to be off the chains, like 2013, where all of a sudden next gen was becoming solidified and we were starting to actually see stuff and be able to like touch stuff that we were going to be talking about for ostensibly the next decade. Like, you know, when a year like that is about to come and it's like really, really exciting. And then you also know when like an E3 2014 is coming around where it's not like there, there is no follow up. They have completely wasted their reserves on the previous year. Like there's not a lot to announce. There's not going to be a lot of big surprises. Uh, and things are going to be a bit a bit slower. There's a there's a definite sort of sine wave of have we gotten people really really excited recently? And if not, time to like announce a smaller version of our console or time to announce a new handheld so and so. Let's sit predictions last, but I want to get one kind of mandatory thing in before we do that. Yeah, which sure. is uh, is E3 like really representative of most of the games industry at this point? That, oh God, it's such a hard question, right? Like, I think it is representative from what gamers, what, the, what like, the gaming consumer wants from events like these. Like, uh, 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 I've been to a lot of different gaming trade shows at this point, and uh, they're, they're, they're all doing lots of really cool stuff in, in different places around the world. But at the end of the day, I still feel like uh, despite like the community atmosphere and special events and whatever you bring to the table, a, a gaming convention is only as good as the exhibitors that it brings, right? Because you need like that 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 heat, you need that fuel going into the combustion engine of these shows, um, and, and and a lot of uh, shows just like don't bring down a lot of exhibitors because they're saving that high stinky cheddar for E3. So like I, I it, it's still from a I can say definitively from like a website traffic perspective E three is the big show by a by an enormous margin it is the one that people care about the most, um and and that is just because like in terms of raw newness the nothing even comes close. Okay, um, predictions for this year, um, what what's it gonna be? I mean, Fallout 4, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, no, I do think Bethesda is actually going to have a really good year. I think, uh, I, I, all joking aside, I think Fallout 4 is pretty likely. I think maybe something from Arcane, maybe Dishonored 2 is pretty likely. Um, yeah, I, I, they've, they've been hyping that up uh, a lot, and they've been doing it ahead of QuakeCon, which is like their show that they have in July. Uh, where that is like their show. This is our show to show off our stuff. The fact that they are having this huge, huge event in front of that makes me think like they have some big guns that they are toting. I think we see. Do you, do you remember that hero game? Did you ever see this rumor from I no Ubisoft? What you're about. It's like it's this. It was like a flashlight pan rumor from May of last year about like you can beat heroes from across time and you like I guess whoop each other's ass. I think we see that game this year, and I think that's going to be the big thing that UB is pushing. I, yeah, because what else? Like, 
I mean, it has to be something. I mean, it's either that or they finally reboot Prince of Persia. But like going through all their stuff, they have to have a new game. And I don't know what it could possibly be. And that's like literally the only thing that they haven't actually made yet. They also have games they need to double down on, right? Like they need to get Division. Far Cry every year? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm saying I'm talking about Division specifically Uh, because when they announced Division, I remember being really excited about it. And another year passed where they showed off some trailer and it was like, oh, it's a good trailer. And they showed off like a four minute gameplay clip and like, oh, okay, cool. Not as excited about it as I was last year. So you guys need to either poop or get off the pot on Division. And I hope that this is the poop year um i I, gosh outside of that chris i don't know like i know sony's Mm. gonna announce a few things but i wouldn't expect any like giant humongous megatons from them because they recently came out and said like we it it is going to be a rebuilding year for first party i mean microsoft Um, has that bomb battletoads (laughs) that battletoads bomb i joking aside i wouldn't be surprised if like uh maybe rare has a thing i think it's gonna be like rare's hey, we make great video games and not just Kinect stuff here. Like, for, for people who don't know Rare, they're the company that made Banjo-Kazooie and GoldenEye and back in the out, day. bums me out that you have to make that disclaimer. For people I know. who don't know who Rare is. I mean, the, the, the past, what, five years, they've been making, like, rock climbing on Wii, or not Wii U, Microsoft Connect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, man, now you have me second-guessing whether or not this is going to be a very good year. This is this is this is what I'm saying. I think I, I don't think it's going to be the most exciting E3 ever. I think there's going to be some cool stuff that I'm going to get excited about. Um, I would love to know what what From Software is up to. I'd love to see Bloodborne DLC maybe, um, or a new Souls game. I know that's asking a lot, but I'm a man who has very specific needs. Um, <laughs> Like I, I think there's there's always announcements, right? There's always surprises. There's always cool stuff, but it's it it's not going to be a peak. It's not going to be a valley, but it's it's not going to be the 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 climax of the E three hype cycle. Uh, well, that's a great place to end. Um, well, we haven't even talked about covering the show. I want to hear like your favorite press conferences and press conference memories. Oh man, uh, we could do a whole episode about press conference that, that, memories. That just gets bleak i mean i i will say ubisoft who i don't even know if i'll get to go to see this year let's hope that an invitation shows up um they they have the best press conferences because they always hire like a stand-up comic like joel McHale to host it who just ends up shredding everything that comes across the, the yeah. stage uh recently i think for the past couple of years they've had aisha tyler who's actually yeah. done a really really great job and then they had mr caffeine lest we forget mr caffeine uh pray for mr caffeine how about you i mean what what is your favorite part about covering the show uh i mean it's not a good answer but like hanging out with the team which sadly will not happen on such a gigantic scale this year because we're yeah. splitting up the team a little bit but um yeah, I, I like seeing everybody and I like talking about games with people who are excited about talking about games unless it's a really, really, really crappy year. And then it's people saying, this is it, man. This is my last E3. This is the last one. Yeah. I just, I just watched Jamie Kennedy barf on a stage for 45 minutes. I'm done with this industry forever. Um, but I don't think it's going to be one of those years. I guess we'll see. What's your favorite part? Is it just the, maybe the the thrill of whether or not you'll be excited to Ubisoft? Uh, I'd say it's the people. <laughs> I like I like me. I mean, I like seeing all of my friends in the press, and I like seeing y'all. 
and I like seeing people who who make the games. I mean, I, I, that's why I like the Game Developers Conference, which yeah, happens GDC in San Francisco. Is, it's just and such a better venue for that. Yeah. Well, well, this can feel a little. I think I'm just very um, allergic to marketing. So it's kind of a hard week for me because I really want to enjoy it. And as a child, I it was my dream. Yeah. And there's something kind of uh, especially disheartening about having something that you really wanted to attend as a kid. Right. And then kind of get there and then see like, oh, no, this is not what I thought it was. Well, like, that, and, and it's because the stuff you loved as a child, like all that bombast and all that like crazy hype actually gets in the way of you doing your adult job. Like it's 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 fun and everything like seeing a, a company do something crazy. Uh, but that thing that they did that was crazy was part of a very specific message that they wanted to get out about a game. And then whenever you're doing an interview with the the lead creative developer uh, of that game and there's a PR person saying, no, don't ask him about that. Ask him about the message that we are specifically trying to get across at this E3. Like that sucks. And it gets in the way of you doing your job. Like it, it, in a lot of ways, E3s. Yeah. Like, well, and, and it's difficult when... The thing that comes to mind for me is the year Infinity Ward was in a lawsuit with Activision. They were the people who made Modern Warfare 2 and yeah. Call of Duty. They, uh, instead of having like a traditional E3 experience, decided they wouldn't really participate. Instead, they would rent out the Staples Center, which is right next to the Los Angeles Convention Center. This is where the Los Angeles Lakers and the Clippers play. And they would invite, I mean, a stadium's worth of people and they would show their games there. So as the press, this is like your chance to see some of the footage of these new games. It was also incorporated into a giant, like, insane spectacle uh, concert with, I, again, the familiar names, Eminem. I think Jane's Addiction was there. Um, there were so many famous people. And then, like, a 50-foot-high stripper pole yeah. For uh, like a Cirque du Soleil style stripper routine uh, set to, I guess, the music from DJ Hero 2. And, and it's all like you're there and you're not you're not there for the party as a right. journalist. To, to, to book in this episode for for the parable that I told in the beginning of that DJ Hero event where they're like, you can't play these games at this event. I I think I recorded DJ AM's set with the DJ Hero footage behind him on my like handheld Flip Pro camera 2008 piece of low definition garbage that I had and I recorded that and I posted that saying here's some footage of what DJ Hero looks like and then I left because like I I, I didn't see Eminem and Jay-Z perform because like I had shit to do Yeah, E3 is an insane amount of work like you're up until 3 4 a.m. writing to get through your backlog to get ready for the next day's like front log and so you don't get to hang out and do that stuff and it's just this weird artifice that gets in the way of you doing your job i know he said i have completely failed in not sounding like a total grump <laughs> about this industry but like it, it is it is a lot of work and some of the stuff that is maybe seductive about the show to to people outside of the industry like just just understand that like that stuff can also be a real detriment when you have a deadline and you're trying to just get this story done and you're trying to do a good interview and then next door like there are football men yelling at you oh my gosh well you know what? i'm gonna be positive i'm going into this this is gonna be the best e3 ever <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna both find hard truth about the games and i'm also going to you know report with enthusiasm and and not be a total grump i'm gonna do it um griffin thank you for joining me for this episode yeah how'd it go 
I think it went great. And cool. thank you, John Lagomarsino, for producing this show. Y- you can't respond to me, but I want you to know that you did great. And thank you, uh, listener, for listening to this a-, a little bit longer than normal episode, which is appropriate because it was about video games. And if there's one <laughs> thing video games uh, people like to do, it's make long podcasts. Um, uh, hey, you know what you should do now that you made it through this episode? You should listen to the other show we now have on TheVerge.com. It's called ESP. It's an entertainment and science podcast by uh, Liz Lopato and Emily Oshida, and it is incredible. And I think you should check it out. And after you do that, I think you should, uh, you're, you're already on iTunes. Maybe stop by the What's Tech page, leave a review, say some nice things, uh, or, you know, follow us on Twitter, or just, you know, share us with your, your, your pop and your mom. You know, spread the word. And also a special thank you to our sponsor, Igloo. Igloo is an internet you'll actually like. It's a cloud platform that can help you do your best work. For a cloud platform experience like no other, sign up now and try Igloo for free at igloosoftware.com tech. Don't forget to invite up to 10 of your favorite coworkers to try it with you. Not your non-favorite coworkers. They will be left in the mud. Your favorite coworkers, however, will be inside of the Igloo with you, <laughs> keeping warm. Because that's what igloos do. They also are really good intranets. Um, and that's it. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.